Alan Dershowitz has blasted the New York Bar Association for suspending Rudy Giuliani's license. Dershowitz is not somebody who believes in Giuliani's ideology. We'll get to all the detail, but he sure does know a lot about the law. All that coming up. Bombshell new report about the recent conflict between the Israelis and Gaza and Hamas. The numbers are in. And this is stunning. As expected, the Israelis jumped through every... They've investigated. They've gotten all the numbers. The Israelis jumped through every possible hoop they could to spare civilian lives and only target terrorists. And meanwhile, Hamas rockets actually... This is truly staggering, actually killed more Palestinians than Israelis. Again, one Israeli life that is lost is tragic, but Hamas, their rockets killed more Palestinians, nearly double the number of Palestinians as Israelis. Also, almost 50% of those people, Palestinians, killed by Israeli strikes were terrorists. Think about that for a moment. That is spine-chilling. Almost 50% of those killed by Israeli strikes in Gaza were terrorists. So the Israelis, they kept civilian deaths to a bare, bare minimum. This is the lowest ratio of civilian deaths versus militants in any battle of this magnitude. And consider the fact that Hamas embeds themselves specifically in civilian populated areas to try to bait Israel into targeting into into striking civilians. So this proves what we know. The Israelis do everything possible to prevent the death of innocent civilians. Hamas does everything possible to cause the deaths of, uh, uh, of civilians, innocent civilians on both sides. I mean, Israel does everything short of literally going in there and yanking these people out of the way of these strikes, and yet the media completely ignores the story. And if the media ever does report on it, of course, the Israelis are always the aggressors. The Israelis are always the monsters. Now, I I feel bad I called it a conflict because it's not a conflict. It's not a conflict. It's not a battle between two equal sides. This was a massive Hamas terror attack against Israel, and then it was Israel's response in self-defense. So here are the numbers. More Palestinians, as I said, were killed by Hamas rockets. This is a new report released by the Mayor Amit Intelligence and Terrorism Information Center, the ITIC. Um, So literally almost double the amount of Palestinians killed by Hamas rockets versus Israelis. Um, The report also says nearly half, as I said, of the Palestinian casualties were confirmed terrorists. So these are literally shocking numbers. This report was published on Tuesday analyzing the names of those killed uh, in that conflict or in that attack. And 680 rockets out of 4,300 coming out of Gaza fell short, landed within Gaza itself. That resulted in the deaths of 21 Gazans. No doubt the mainstream media blamed those deaths on the Israelis, but 21 Palestinians in Gaza were killed by Hamas rockets. That includes uh, nine children, two women. Nine children. So half of the civilian deaths by Hamas were women and children. Meanwhile, on the Israeli side, uh, there were 12 Israelis. Two of them children. Again, as I said, everyone is extremely precious and an unspeakable tragedy. And it wasn't, I guess the numbers, I said double. It wasn't exactly double. It was, I guess, 13 Israelis versus 21 Gazans because 12 Israelis and then an additional IDF soldier who was killed by that anti, anti-tank missile. Of the 234 Palestinians who were killed, uh, at least 112, which is nearly half, were literally members of the Hamas terrorist organization. By the way, why were the other ones killed? Only because they they, they were nearby. Because Hamas, as we said, they specifically um, keep their own headquarters and facilities located in heavily populated civilian areas. Um, And uh, even Hamas, by the way, admitted that they caused Palestinian deaths, which is is very, very rare. Um, Now, listen to this 
amazing quote, Colonel Richard Kemp, the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan, here's what he said. He says that a U.N. study, a recent U.N. study, uh, showed that the ratio of civilian to combatant deaths in Gaza was by far the lowest in any asymmetric conflict in the history of warfare. Kemp says it was due to the unprecedented measures taken by the IDF, the Israelis, to minimize civilian casualties, including warnings. They literally, they are going to, they call them, they, they send text messages if they have the phone, uh, the, the access to do that. They send flyers, they drop things out of the sky saying, we're going to bomb you, we are warning you ahead of time, get out. And uh, he also attributed civilian casualties to Hamas using civilians as human shields, which is, which is something that we know that they do. And yet, of course, the media has not mentioned this at all, all the Palestinians that were killed by Hamas rockets. And remember, after this conflict, remember the UNRWA, UN Relief and Works Agency, which is basically an agency designed to protect terrorists and Palestinian refugees, they admitted they discovered a terror tunnel under a Gaza school. Literally, the Gazans operate a school and they, they, held, they hit a terror tunnel, um, which was discovered under the school. I mean, it, it cannot be any more disgraceful than that. Meanwhile, a shocking story um, in, in the in the West Bank, which is, of course, headed by Mahmoud Abbas and the PA Palestinian Authority. This is being ignored by the media as well. A vocal critic of Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the PA, was beaten to death by Palestinian police officers. Yeah, I'm going to repeat that. I mean, this is just shocking, horrific story. A, a, a critic of Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, was beaten to death by Palestinian police officers. Now there are Palestinian activists demanding that Abbas resign. Um, Abbas is on like, to quote Ben Shapiro, Abbas is on like the 12th year of a four-year term. It's just ridiculous, no exaggeration. But uh, this is uh, 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 Nizar Banat, a prominent critic of Mahmoud Abbas. He died on Thursday after being beaten by more than two dozen PA security officers. He was in his home sleeping, age 44, longtime activist from Dura. And he used to post harsh videos to his 100,000 followers accusing the, accusing the PA of corruption and fraud. And he's 100% right about that. So according to his family, 25 officers, they came in while he was sleeping, took off his clothing, beat him with clubs and iron bars, and used pepper spray. The PA's Independent Commission for Human Rights said that an autopsy showed that this Nizar Banat sustained heavy blows to the head, which indicated an unnatural death. Well, gee, you're kidding. And the governor of Hebron, Jibrin al-Bakri, said that uh, Banat's medical condition deteriorated while he was being arrested. Well, I'll say, you think, you think, you think being beaten with clubs, you think that deteriorates a person's condition? I wonder. Uh, you know, it's no laughing matter, obviously, but um, really, really very, very disturbing stuff here. So they're not saying the details, but they're even con con conceding that. So Banat's cousin told reporters that this was a vicious beating. He said they beat him for eight straight minutes. A large force entered, aggressively removed his clothing, beat him for eight minutes straight. And, of course, where's the mainstream media? Nowhere to be found. All right, we told you about Alan Weisselberg. The, I believe his name is Alan, something Weissel, Weisselberg, who's the CFO of the Trump Organization. And, of course, he has been indicted. And the, the, the charges are absurd. I mean, bogus charges completely, completely fabricated witch hunt where what he used the company limo or he got certain perks and he didn't report it. 
as taxable income. And I mean, this stuff happens all the time in corporate America. These things do not get reported. These are little perks that you get. You get to ride in the company limo or you get to stay in an apartment for a week that's owned by the company and they don't report. Nobody report. No, I report it. No, come on. I report it on my end. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if the IRS audits, then, you know, you basically they tell you to pay up. They can't prove any intent. There's nothing criminal about this because nobody in the world does it. And if they catch you, then you pay up. But they're not going to arrest you. They're not going to indict you unless you happen to be working for the Trump organization or unless you happen to be affiliated with President Trump. So now, But here's what's interesting about this story is that they're going to try to squeeze. They don't care about Weisselberg. We all know that. But they're going. They, since he's Trump's CFO, so they think he's going to have dirt. They're going to try to squeeze him and threaten him and get him to sing like a canary. And um, I feel bad for him if he doesn't have any dirt on Trump. As we know by now, none of Trump's inner circle ever seems to have any dirt on Trump, even the ones who turn on Trump and flip on him and cooperate, like Michael Cohn. So, you know, but that's going to be the game plan we've seen. Now, how many times have we seen this? I mean, obviously, there's Manafort. They did it to Michael Cohn. By the way, Manafort, he, he could have easily cooperated. If he had dirt on Trump, he could have spilled his guts to the prosecutors. They would have been thrilled for that. He did not do that, again, because he had no dirt on Trump. Michael Cohn. Michael Cohn's the biggest example. I'll get to that in a moment. Roger Stone. Remember General Michael Flynn? I mean, they tried to do this to anybody who has ever bumped into Trump at, like, the supermarket. They try to squeeze them and indict them and get them to flip on Trump. And and it never happens. Michael Cohn is the one exception. Remember, Michael Cohn did cooperate. Michael Cohn, you know, he was eligible for, like, th- all, all the things he pled guilty to, the charges, he could have gotten, like, 35, 33 years in prison, and they reduced it, and they reduced it even more. And then, what, he got out early because of COVID, right? And they found him meeting. He was down to house to rest. He's going out to eat in restaurants. It's just totally disgraceful. But here's the, here's the amazing thing I always say about Michael Cohn is that even though he cooperated, even though he gave all sorts of dirt on Trump to prosecutors— they still got nothing. They, they didn't charge Trump based on Michael Cohn's testimony. They maybe embarrassed Trump or they th- tried to by publicizing what Michael Cohn told them. But, 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 but Michael Cohn never actually gave prosecutors a single indictment against Trump or any one of his inner circle. Now, think about that for a moment. Michael Cohn, if there was ever an inside man doing all of Trump's dirty work, let's call it, it was Michael Cohn. So he knew he was Trump's lawyer. He was there for years. He was involved in Moscow and building Trump casinos all over the world and all sorts of, you know, things that were supposed to be related to collusion. And he was involved in, uh, you know, paying off some of the people that Trump wanted paid off. During his campaign, Michael Cohn was involved in everything that they claimed was like an impeachable offense or something that Trump could be charged for a, with a crime for. And yet Michael Cohn, even despite him literally cooperating, they got nothing. They got nothing. So could you possibly have a bigger exoneration of Trump than the fact they got his best friends, his closest, closest advisors and confidants to turn on Trump, sing like a canary, and they still couldn't get a single crime? What is that? If that doesn't show you, if that is not absolute proof that Trump did not commit any crimes, I mean, there's no other other than tweeting nasty things against Democrats, you know, and against Jeff Sessions. Trump clearly did not is not guilty of anything because how could they not have discovered it by now? I mean, he's literally the most hunted man uh, on the planet, hands down. All right. Meanwhile, uh, you know, by the way, uh, you would think that maybe they'd be hunting terrorists with the same kind of passion and vigilance they hunt Trump. But no, they're too busy focused on Trump. He's the enemy. China's the friend. Iran is the friend. Trump's the enemy. Alan Dershowitz, as I said, has blasted the New York State Bar Association for suspending Giuliani's license basically without a hearing, without it, not basically, without any hearing and basically without any investigation either. 
And Dershowitz says this is very dangerous. If they allow Giuliani to be disbarred, then basically any anyone they disagree with politically, uh, they can just disbar because Giuliani, it's it's completely, completely baseless. He said that Dershowitz, he spoke with John Katsimatidis on his radio show. He said that equal justice for all is mortally wounded. And he said something, Dershowitz, similar to what we said last week, which is basically if you're going to use a criteria and say, well, Giuliani said something that wasn't true when he got on television or the radio and he said that the election was stolen and uh, he couldn't back it up with proof. I mean, if that's a criteria, then every lawyer in the country is basically um, qualified, eligible to be disbarred. So here's what Dershowitz said. He said he, he taught legal ethics in Harvard Law for 35 years. He likes to he likes to, you know, mention that a lot. And he said that. Um, he thinks of himself as a leading expert on legal ethics, and he said he's never seen a lawyer be disbarred without a hearing. Quote, I mean, the most basic concept of due process is you don't deprive someone of his living, of his freedom, of his ability to work without a hearing. The criteria under which they suspended his law license is so vague. It says that in the course of representing a client, a lawyer shall not knowingly make a false statement um, to a third person. In other words, if he goes on your show or he goes on my podcast or on Fox and he makes a statement which turns out to be false and he had reason to believe it was false, he could be disbarred. Do you know how many lawyers we'd have left if we applied that standard across the board? We have case after case where prosecutors, defense attorneys, lawyers have made statements which turn out to be untrue and they're never disbarred and certainly not without a hearing. So the atmosphere today is if you defended President Trump in any way, they're out to get you and they're certainly out to get Rudy Giuliani. That is Alan Dershowitz. All right, do you know that cable news channels ratings are way, way down? And inter- and, and why is that? Let's g- I'll give you one guess. Why is it that here we are, July 2021, and cable news ratings for cable news channels across the board, and that includes Fox, I would add, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they are tanking, they are plunging, they are way, way down. One word, Trump. Okay, they don't have Trump. They don't have Twitter. They don't have Trump putting out tweets because Twitter has banned and banished Trump. So it's it's boring. Infrastructure bill, Biden falling asleep and kind of slobbering all over himself and drooling. Biden getting a basic question about Russia, pulling out notes because he like can't remember like the most basic, basic details. Poor Biden. You just feel so bad for him. They're dragging him along. And it's like you wonder like how much adrenaline they're pumping into him. And then like it wears off and he he, he, he kind of looks around like he, he, his eyes just wander and they glaze over. And it's like, Oh, man, this guy is old enough to just be put away in an assisted living facility or let him just retire, put on a golf outfit and go golfing all day or something like everybody else his age and his mental cognition. But no, he's actually the leader of the free world anyway. But but because there's no Trump and, uh, you know, Trump has been obviously there's still Trump, but he's been marginalized. He's not the center of attraction. And politics has become incredibly boring. Hopefully our show here is an exception to that rule. But either way, the numbers speak for themselves. So in prime time, Fox now Fox is still the biggest. Fox is still beating by a by a very significant margin MSNBC and CNN. But Fox had in prime time in in recent weeks um I, I believe this is for June uh 2.13 million viewers. That that's compared to 1.3 million for MSNBC and 798,000 for CNN. That's prime time. Compared to the same month a year earlier, Fox was down 42%, MSNBC was down 36%, and CNN fell 57% compared to this time last year. Think about that. Fox down 42, MSNBC 36, CNN 57. Now look, is some of that because it's not an election year? Last year was an election year. Is some of that COVID? Perhaps. But come on, we know what it's all about. The ratings, Trump was a ratings magnet. Whether you love him or hate him, 
whether you're watching him on Fox or on CNN. And the total day numbers, Fox averaged 1.17 million in total viewers. That's down 35%. MSNBC was down 37% with 763,000. CNN, 49%, plunged 49% with just 580,000 total day. So pretty amazing numbers there. All right, the Israelis have infiltrated Iran at the highest levels. We know this. We know about the assassinations. We know about these mystery explosions all over the place. Every nuclear facility, uh, the Iranians seem to have these massive, massive just mystery explosions. They just pop up spontaneously. Just, just crazy coincidence that it only hits the Iranian nuclear facilities since they have such bad luck here with all these fires and explosions. But we know the Israelis, but now, now Iranian leaders are confirming what we already know, which is the Mossad and Israel, uh, uh, they are more deeply embedded in the Iranian government at highest levels than anybody ever imagined, these Mossad operatives. And it's been con confirmed now by more than one Iranian government official. So these Mossad operatives have basically penetrated the highest levels of the Iranian regime, and they're doing severe, severe damage. And it's like you wonder how they're able to do it. I mean, it really is just quite astonishing. A former I Iranian intelligence minister on Tuesday said that uh, the Mossad has infiltrated Iran's leadership. Many senior officials have been compromised. Um, the Mossad basically, ent with enticements of influence and money, have been able to penetrate the regime's um, intel bodies and security agencies. Ali Younesi, uh, he was interviewed by the reformist Jamaram News website. He said, quote, The regime is busy persecuting people who are loyal to the country. Instead of detecting and detaining the infiltrators working on behalf of Israel— the regime established many intelligence agencies with overlapping tasks for the purpose of weakening the intelligence ministry. Spy agencies can now easily penetrate radical groups and organizations because these groups, because in these groups only radicalism matters. Spy agencies pick the right radicals from among their own ranks or elsewhere have them infiltrate other intelligence agencies. The more radical they are, the quicker they get promoted. So essentially he's giving an explanation. He's saying that the Iranians basically created a bunch of intelligence agencies, and the criteria is they just want radical. They want people who are radical. So the Israeli Mossad agents basically have to just come across, create this like facade, create this uh, persona of being these radicals, and they can get in. They don't get vetted. They're kind of allowed in, and they get promoted very quickly. The more radical you are, the more promotions you get. And that's how the Israelis have been able to literally infiltrate I I the Iranian intel agencies at the highest echelons. It's really incredibly fascinating stuff that and Younesi's words echoed recent remarks by good old Ahmadinejad Mahmoud Ahmadinejad former Iran the hardline former Iranian president um he says that uh and and and, and he says that uh, officials within Iran's intelligence agencies actually tried to cover the tracks of the assassins of the Iranian nuclear scientists including the head of the nuclear program Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, who remember, of course, he was assassinated by the Israelis recently. So he basically said that members within Iran's own intelligence agencies tried to cover the tracks of those assassins. Now, why would that be? Uh, I guess if they're Mossad agents, that would make sense. Otherwise, I don't know, somehow the Mossad bought these people off. But Ahmadinejad said that uh, a massive Israeli ap operation used a corrupt gang of security personnel in the upper echelons of the national intel apparatus. So basically what he's saying is that a lot of these intelligence leaders in Iran... Uh, are compromised and are willing to basically sell themselves to the Israelis. And it really is fascinating. We'll keep an eye if more details emerge. Do you know that uh, President Biden, Bernie Sanders, Ocasio, and other socialists, and, and, Ber and Biden maybe is not a socialist, he's one notch to the right of socialism, but close enough, uh, they're pushing a civilian climate corps. This civilian climate corps, this is just, this is madness. This is absolute madness. 
You cannot make this stuff up. Basically, they want Biden's pushing this. The White House is pushing this. The only debate is how much money to spend, how many billions and billions of tax dollars of your and my tax dollars to spend. But they all agree this should be done a civilian climate core. I mean, this is just the biggest joke in the world. But um, they want the government, which means your tax dollars, my tax dollars, to hire thousands and thousands of young people to go around fighting climate change. They're going to go around fighting climate change. And this is based on a New Deal era program. This is based on an FDR program that was basically part of his New Deal, where he had lots of young, the, the government just hired thousands and thousands of, of, of young people to, actually millions, they, they, they actually employed millions of young people, young men, to go around improving public lands, forests, and parks. And remember, this is following the Great Depression and at a time when it really, you know, the, the country could not afford this. Uh, again, in a perfect world, if we have like billions of dollars in surplus and you want to go around and, uh, you know, fight climate change with the billions of dollars in surplus that you have in the budget, go for it. Have you have a blast. But I mean, do you realize how many trillions of dollars in debt we are? Trillions of dollars budget, yearly budget deficit. And uh, this is what they're doing. So Biden wants to put thousands of people to work addressing climate change in a revamped New Deal style program, this uh, civilian climate core, um, and uh, basically Biden would make it. Back then they were planting trees or improving U.S. forests or whatever. Now Biden wants to put people to work weatherizing and retrofitting homes. The government's going to pay for this. You believe the government's going to go going to go and pay people billions of dollars um, weatherizing and retrofitting homes to make them more energy efficient. Um, managing forest lands to prevent wildfires, installing rooftop solar panels, and restoring coastal habitats. I mean, this is just absolutely, this is nuts. It's just madness. Here we are, $30 trillion in debt. Here we are, the deficit that we're running year after year now is in the trillions, literally in the trillions. And, and, and COVID, of course, has increased the debt and has increased the defi deficit by trillions of dollars, and now we're going to spend billions of dollars on a civilian climate corps? Are you kidding me? I mean, have you ever heard of anything so absurd in your life? Meanwhile, Democrats, climate activists, Democrats in Congress, Ocasio, and the socialists, the far left, the radical left, the, and when I say radical left, I don't mean to exclude Biden because he's also the far radical left, but you understand they're, they're, they are even as, as radical as Biden is. Ocasio's even further than that, as, as, as hard as that is to fathom. Uh, Bernie Sanders is further to the left than Biden. <clears throat> so Biden only wants to spend $10 billion, which is a massive waste. Just take the $10 billion, throw it in the garbage. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Ocasio and others, and even some centrists, uh, they say, no, you got you to gotta, uh, increase that number by many, many more billions. Mark Pearl, assistant professor of economics um, at New College of Florida, he says, I don't even think $10 billion is in the right ballpark. He says it would only employ 25,000 workers a year for five years, which is 160 at the size of the Roosevelt of the FDR program. I mean, come on. This is what you're – of course they're basing things on FDR because that's their hero. By I mean, the, the Green New Deal is named after – remember, this was originally part of the Green New Deal. But the Green New Deal isn't passing anytime soon because the Democrats don't want to go on record. They know how insane it is. So, um, But that's what it's modeled after. Meanwhile, liberal lawmakers, Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts and Ocasio-Cortez – Propose $130 billion, $130 billion for the Civilian Climate Corps. Oh, boy. Um, here's what Ocasio said. She said, quote, Sometimes when folks say, oh, this is too ambitious or this is too big, it's too unreasonable, we reiterate that the world we're fighting for has already been here. Uh, I mean, what is she talking about? What is she talking about? We reiterate that this world that we're fighting for has already been here. Well, okay, thank you. 
It's too, I love how she, it's too ambitious. It's not too ambitious. It's a total waste of money. It's money that we do not have. In a perfect world, you want to go and retrofit rooftops and you want to go and weatherize buildings or whatever nonsense they're talking about, which maybe would help the environment. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Let's say it will. Let's say it will. Very nice. Go and go and have a blast. But like at the state we're in right now, I mean, things are just out of control and you're going to, it's not too ambitious. It's nuts. All right. Um, in, in the New York Times, has has gotten backlash, has come under fire. The New York Times has published an op-ed. I mean, the irony of all this is that the New York Times has basically just exposed itself for what it is, which is a viciously anti-American newspaper. I mean, that's what it is. The New York Times, they're like, they're, they're anti-American. They're pro-America's enemies, and they're anti-America. And all this does is expose it. So I don't know why everyone's blasting the New York Times. The New York Times is just showing everybody what we already know. So this weekend, in honor of Independence Day, the New York Times put out an op-ed essentially saying that leftists despise the American flag. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the basic idea. The, the, the article says that the American flag is divisive. Think of the, the flag is divisive. That's basically, I'll read you the, the excerpts here. The flag, the American flag is divisive. Think about that. Think about that. Yeah, if you're Kim Jong-un, the American flag is divisive. If you're uh, like a, an American staple, an American newspaper like the New York Times, and you say the American flag is divisive, I mean, what is wrong? It's the most basic symbol of patriotism. It's like it should be the one thing. I mean, you've got to move to China or Iran. If you're at the point where you're looking at the American flag as a negative and as divisive, you've got to just get out. Just get out of the country. Go. We don't want you. We don't need you. You don't belong here. You don't, you don't even revoke their citizenship. They don't even deserve to be American citizens. But like, I mean, it's the one if it's like the sky is blue. Well, no, well, that, that you know, that that offends me when you say the sky is blue. Like it's the American flag. If, if, if we can't all agree about the American flag not being divisive, then something's seriously wrong here. So people are bashing the times. But like here and we'll read you all the all the bashing. But let me read you the, the excerpts here. This was a um, this was from a, an op ed entitled a Fourth of July symbol of unity that may no longer unite. So right there in the title, a Fourth of July symbol of unity that may no longer unite. And in the tweet where they linked to this article, the Times said, quote, Today flying the American flag from the back of a pickup truck or over a lawn is increasingly seen as a clue, albeit an imperfect one, to a person's political affiliation in a deeply divided nation, end quote. And in this uh, piece, author Sarah Maslanier quotes several people who believe that the flag has become so politicized that they think twice about flying it outside their homes or businesses. Some people, for instance, have been hiding their patriotic pride, patriotic pride after, after President Trump's supporters embraced the flag so fervently. And the article says, quote, What was once a unifying symbol, there is a star in it for each state, after all, is now alienating to some. It's alienating. So, I mean, this is the tell they're telling you they basically despise the flag, and it's, and it's all Trump's fault. So they're blaming Trump. They're exposing themselves for being viciously anti-American and, and unpatriotic, and, but it's Trump's fault because Trump liked the flag. Trump liked the flag. Well, all right, you know, I mean, Trump liked oxygen. Trump lo- loves oxygen. He inhales it all day. He's addicted to oxygen. So let them stop breathing, right? So it, here's the thing. But Trump really exposed this. This is the beauty of Trump is that he exposes what was his slogan? Well, he, his slogan was MAGA, right? Like I say, Biden's slogan should be MIGA, make Iran great again. But, but, but Trump's is MAGA. And he held MAGA rallies and everything was about America first, America first, make America great again. And they found it offensive. The New York Times, the mainstream media, the Democrats, they find it offensive. How can you, how can you make America great again? How, 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 America first, how can you put America first? What should America be, 17th? Like, what, what, what should America, like, I want England to put England first. I want, I want uh, Hungary to put Hungary first. So why would I want America to put America first? Every country puts themselves first. That's the best system possible because then everybody 
pushes for their own people. It doesn't work any other way. But either way here, so Trump exposed to now, if you don't believe in Trump, well, then you don't believe in making America great again. Well, isn't that like the most basic principle you can believe in? Well, well you don't believe in America first. Okay, you don't believe in, in, in America. You basically want other countries to succeed and to, beat, and to beat America. And that's what he did. And so they went over to China and Iran, and they, and, 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 and they showed in NATO and France and, and England. And, and basically, Trump exposed the fact that Democrats despise America. So, so all this is now, this, this article in the, in, in, the, in the Times is literally just an outgrowth of that. So let me read you some of the backlash here from conservatives on Twitter. For America said, quote, reading the New York Times regularly is far more divisive than our American flag will ever be. Ned Reun said, quote, maybe the flag is just a clue that we actually love our country. There's that, end quote. Federalist co-founder Sean Davis said, quote, there are two kinds of people in this country, people who love the American flag and what it stands for and people who need to leave. Uh, Andy Biggs, congressman from Arizona, Republican, said, quote, apparently loving our country's flag is now offensive, disgusting. And um, uh, director of Na- former director of Na- former DNI Richard Grinnell under Trump said, quote, New York Times reporters should try living in Gaza. They don't appreciate the freedoms that they enjoy every day. They hate America. Stop paying these condescending elites money. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.